Good afternoon. It's September the 5th, 4.20 in the afternoon. Uh, special number 4.20. This is your host, David Bennett, for Bitcoin and... Today, Bitcoin and... Let's talk about a plan. I like talking about plans. Uh, this is more of a tree, though. Uh, I want to go through... Uh, what a black locust tree is, what it, you know, sort of its properties, and, you know, why you would kind of want it in your yard, or, you know, what, things that it will do for you if you if you plant it on your property, you know, small or large. Of course, you know, my context is that I've got a, a house with neighbors, fence, you know, I'm not sitting on three acres or whatever. I'm, I'm sitting on, you know, I think uh, I think I'm sitting on three quarters of an acre. Maybe no, no, not 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 anywhere close. I'm sorry. I'm sitting on a third of an acre, right 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 around. So this is a Bitcoin and episode four, and we're talking about <clears throat> black locust tree. So, black, black locust tree. Um, now, I talked about cutting up a bunch of different kind of uh, plants to uh, <clears throat> propagate. You know, bamboo. Uh, I did a big one on comfrey. Uh, but one of the other ones that I was chopping up was uh, black locust trees. You know, kind of getting root cuttings off of them so I could go ahead and, and, and propagate these out. Now... This one I've never I've never propagated black locust tree before, uh, so I had to do a, a little bit of digging and some research and just you know come to find out that all you really need to do is as usual a two inch piece of of the uh, of the root you know like a good good pinky size way you know uh, diameter and about two inches of that from what I hear will propagate a, a brand new uh, black locust tree. So, <clears throat> well, we'll kind of get into that, you know, in a little bit. But, you know, the first thing up is, you know, why? why? Why on earth would you want a black locust tree? Because if you've ever seen one of these things, it, de- it depends on how, I, if you see, if you see a, a full-grown one that's mature from a distance, it's a pretty tree. Um, it, it, it throws shade. But it's not real dense shade because the way the, the, the way the leaf structure is, there's a, a lot of gappage. So sunlight, it kind of filters sunlight through and you get this nice, beautiful, dappled shade everywhere that it that is gonna cast shadow. So it won't completely it won't completely shade out grass, other plants, bedding plants, whatever it is that you got growing underneath there, because of its structure. So one of the reasons that, that I'm going to be planting it on the west side of my house, uh, specifically, I'm going to be planting it clo- closer to my fence on the property line than to the house on the west side, is so that it can cast more shade. As, as if you guys have listened to anything that I've talked about my this this new house that we live in, there's a lot of western exposure, and in the Panhandle of Texas, that sun, man. That's just that is something you just kind of don't want to mess around with. It it it's just it's really hard on on vegetation, 
and it's and it's really like it just makes being outside miserable and I don't want to be miserable I mean I've, I've lived in Texas all my life specifically I've been in West Texas all my life and you'd think I'd you'd think I'd be used to the heat and the sun no no it's actually just gotten worse I, I just I get more and more pissed off the older I get the more pissed off I get when it's hot you know that's why fall and you know, fall is my absolute favorite season of the year. Uh, spring is my second, winter is my third, and summer is, is my very last. I mean, it's like if I had to pick, if I had to pick one season to shit can, it'd be summer, except we'd all be dead because that's where you have to grow all the food, right? So, you know, what, the only thing that we can do is figure out ways to mitigate heat, and the way that we mitigate outdoor heat is figure out ways to get shade on the ground, covering walls, covering roof, covering you, anything that we can do to get shade. And again, depending on you know what you're trying to do, if if, if you don't want anything growing under those trees, you know, by all means plant, you know, a densely leafed, you know, tree that is fast growing. And, you know, and just deal with the fact that you're just going to have not a whole lot of, you know, vegetation growing up underneath those trees because it's going to shade out all the sun. And while that might make it comfortable, it doesn't make it all that pretty. So one, you know, I had a huge black locust tree in the alley in my house in Lubbock. This thing was beautiful. I didn't know what it was. It was long enough ago that I wasn't concerned about permaculture and I wasn't concerned about what you know if a plant could do something for me um, and one day the city came by and said hey look you know it's getting into the power lines we just need to cut it down and like a dumbass I said sure you go ahead and cut that some bitch down and if they cut it down they cut it down dead I don't know what they dumped on the stump but it killed like everything about that tree uh, even suckers that it was putting off and we'll, we'll get into the fact that it does sucker and it's, it, it, it's a little bit invasive but it shouldn't scare you it killed all the suckers too so they killed that thing dead and after I found out what it was and what it could do I was kind of I was a little heartbroken that I was just that short-sighted because that this tree is, is sort of like the it's like a tree version of comfrey it it does a lot of stuff so one of the first things that it does is it's fast growing. Okay, this thing will put on three to four foot a year if you, eh, let's not say a year. Three to four foot per growing season is what's been observed in, <clears throat> observed by people who are looking at this tree. And that seems to be a number that, that I hear a lot. And I've had, I got a, a few, or, you know, the black locust that I, that I, uh, scavenged out of my backyard yeah they grow about three to four foot a year and you know while they're you know while they're growing and they're getting big after about like three years they start you know th that's when they kind of start shading you know putting off some shade and then they start to flower you know and their flowers well let's let's back up just a bit this tree is a legume. It's like a pea, or a like a you know like like the pea family. Like if you go like garden peas, if you go and grow garden peas, you're growing a legume. 
this tree is a full-blown tree. Woody, dense wood, leaves grows, you know, like can be as tall. I think the one that I had cut down was topping out at about 25, maybe 30 feet tall at its tallest point. It's, it, it's, it's, it's every bit of a tree, but it's a legume. And, we'll, you know, what, what is that? What does that actually mean? Well, legumes are this particular kind of plant that have developed a, a highly, I don't know, I was about to say highly sophisticated, but I don't, it's not, nothing, I don't think it's all that sophisticated. It's basically just these roots grow nodules, these little balls on, on like everywhere on their root system. And inside those balls is a home for nitrogen fixing bacteria and what those particular sets of bacteria are designed to do is they extract nitrogen from the atmosphere through the soil even though they're underground you know nitrogen and oxygen and carbon dioxide are permeating everything you know and if a rain if a rain comes up you know the your your uh, the water that's coming out of the sky is filled with a lot of charged nitrogen uh, uh, molly, not, uh, like, you know, nit uh, what would it be, nitrate, yeah, a lot of charged nitrates coming out of the sky, which is one of the reasons why if you get a lot of rain and your yard looks beautiful, it's not just the water, it's the fact that that water's got a whole bunch of dissolved nitrogen in it, and the soil bacteria that are nitrogen fixers will take that nitrogen along with atmospheric nitrogen when it's not raining so well, and it will produce, well, it, let's see, well, no, I guess it will be nit nitrite that's coming out, and they fix it to nitrate, and then it goes to, like, you know, it, it runs through this, this um, you know, I guess you could call it an ammonia cycle, where it goes from nit nitrite to nitrate to a usable form of nitrogen, usually, like, some, somewhere kind of akin to urea, and at that point, it's available to the plants. And because these little guys live in the roots themselves, they're actually, they're actually fixing nitrogen directly to the tree root system. And so the tree has basically to do, it, it doesn't do anything but provide these bacteria sugar. That's, we, I mentioned, a, you know, like in a, a previous podcast, the fact that plants form trading partners with the soil bacteria, fun, you know, soil bacteria, so nitrogen fixation and so uh, trading partners. So plants form trading partners with their buddies in the soil, and it's through the it's through this <clears throat> exchange of goods between the two trading partners that both parties, the tree in this case and the uh, bacteria and the fungi, um, benefit. Right. So in this particular case, in a legume system, the, the nitrifying bacteria basically produce unlimited amounts of nitrogen fertilizer that the plant can readily use. In return, the plant gives the bacteria sugars that it produces from photosynthesis. And it produces a particular set of sugars that happen to attract nitrogen-fixing bacteria, whereas other plants, like in, in non-legume-type systems, they don't produce those sugars. They're not really attracting the types of, of bacteria that uh, that a legume will attract because of the sugar signal that it's putting off. So if I'm like putting off like a, a signal, 
that I don't know, like I, I, I really want steak and I'm, I'm dropping hints to my wife or something like that, that I really want steak. That's a signal that hold on driving in a car and doing a podcast is kind of interesting because I'm trying to get ahead of this person who just got on the interstate and decided to match my speed while I was in the passing lane in either event. Um, it's the signaling, it's the signaling that, that plants will do that cause a trading relationship to form. And through that trading relationship, both parties benefit. So that's what's going on here. So these bacteria are basically feeding the black locust tree with as, as much nitrogen fertilizer as that thing can handle. Hence, it grows three to four foot in a year. And you don't have to feed it nothing. You don't have to fertilize it with anything, right? It just grows. So, you know, one of the reasons why we want something that grows fast, that casts shade, is to mitigate things like heat, you know, provide shade, um, wind break. Like, you know, it, it, it makes, uh, makes really, really good wind break. Um, planted along a, uh, you know, fence line, uh, or like, and I don't do silvo pasture where you've got rows of trees and then ro- like, you know, in between rows of trees, it's really wide and you've got pasture area and you like graze cattle or livestock. Those trees cast shade for the livestock so that they, you know, so that they can get some, some relief from the heat, but also it, it provides windbreak uh, so that they get they get a like a shelter belt kind of thing going on so that they're not just like standing in like howling winds because these things will cut that wind velocity like right down to the ground so <clears throat> shelter shade wind breaks this is one of the reasons why we want you know a black have black locust trees on our property so the and that's why i'm putting them on the on the west side of my house because i'm you know i i know that they'll grow and I know that they'll grow fast, and I know that they will start mitigating the heat off the west side of my house. And as they get big enough, they're going to actually start, like at the very, very last part of the day, they're going to catch all that sunlight that's just slamming up against the, you know, my western walls that's heating up my house. Because it's like, you know, I can, either, I can either run my air conditioner all day and cool down the house, or I can, you know do this type of thing that is going to get in between the sunlight and the house and it won't cure it won't cause a situation where I never have to run the air conditioner again but it certainly will alleviate the amount of work that that air conditioner has to do to get the inside of that house comfortable and that's very clearly that is my my absolute priority because I as near as I can tell there has except for this clump of trees that's on the west side of the house that shades about one quarter of the house there nobody ever thought to to plant any any tree you know trees on the west hand side they got them on the east hand side at least the elms that that haven't died but and there were more trees on the east on the east side but that's not where you that's not where you want them you don't want the trees on the east side of your house my god especially in the wintertime, because you want that to actually hit your house to heat it up. It's the west side in the summer that will kill you around here, at least in, you know, at least in Texas. So 
now that <clears throat> we've we've gone through like the fact that this thing is fast growing and it provides shade and it provides wind breaks and it provides shelter for you know for animals and you as a human what else does it do well it just so happens that its leaves are they can be used as fodder for animals just sort of like comfrey and again just like comfrey if you feed them if you feed the animals too much they're going to get sick you know they're not designed to eat it all the time they they just need a little bit of it you know and and one of the reasons that they that uh forage animals would go after this stuff is because its leaves have almost an identical nutritional uh complement that al alfalfa hay does and alfalfa is pretty rich in, in nutrients and, and you know trace minerals you still got a supplement on the mineral side but as far as uh, general nutrition, alfalfa, uh, it's like, you know, it's choice. It's also expensive compared to just like straight up straw or something like that, right? So the, the, the leaves from this plant can actually be used as fodder. And that's one of the reasons why I kind of like it, you know, the thought of it in a silvopasture system, you know, not as the only tree there, but as, as a, like a secondary or tertiary tree to plant in a line, and we'll get to other reasons why, is because it's gonna allow these animals to have some fodder. And, you know, again, going back to that whole toxicity thing with comfrey and uh, black locust, you know, you eat too much anything, it's probably, you know, I could, eat, I could probably like just have a diet of corn and pretty soon I'm probably gonna get sick of something because corn is essentially just starch. You know, I'm not gonna get any animal protein, you know, and it's just, it's just dumb. So, and, but animals aren't, they're not all that stupid. You know, just because they have the grazing capacity to go get this stuff, I've heard a lot of people say, yeah, it's out there, but they, you know, and they go eat it, but then all of a sudden they stop and they'll just start eating something else. You know, these animals know not to eat too much of it. They get, you know, like a, a, a nice little boost in their in their lunch or whatever it is that they're, they're grazing on by eating some of this stuff, but they also, know that yeah, they eat too much of it it's probably going to result in a stomach ache and if they keep on going they're just going to end up getting sick so they kind of self read you know it seems to me from what i've heard i haven't seen it you know for you know up close and personal but every you know every farming you know you know or permaculturist that i've you know heard talk about this stuff and animals they're all saying the same thing they're like we really don't worry about it because it's like they they just know how to self-regulate so you know this thing can be used as fodder but um what's neat about this this plant as a whole is that it's kind of well it, it fertilizes the the soil around it because all that nitrifying bacteria you know it's, it's some of that that tree is not going to use everything it gets and that you know bioavailable nitrogen compounds are going to leak out you know, of these nodules and they're going to fertilize the ground around it, which means that this plant is sort of like a nurse to other trees, bushes, shrubs. Like if you plant like, you know, like uh, uh, people talk about companion planting all the time, this thing will actually fertilize other plants or, you know, if it's in its proximity. So, you know, keep that in mind is that this, as this tree grows, it fertilizes the, the, the ground around it for free it is it just does it because you're just you've got a system in place where the thing grows it provides its own fertilizer 
It does so by forming a trading relationship with soil bacteria. The soil bacteria get what they want. They produce so much of this stuff that the plant can't use it all that it just dumps it off into the soil, whatever, you know, whatever is in excess that to be used by other plants. It's, it's a beauty system, man. I gotta tell you, nature really has this stuff worked out. So <clears throat> one of the um, one of the other things that uh, I really like about this tree is that, well, I mean, let's go back to its flowers. There, there's another le legumous plant that a lot of people, you know, have, you know, have seen in their lives. And if you've been lucky enough, and I guess depending on, on your attitude towards this particular, you know, species, you know, maybe unlucky enough, is uh, the blooming wisteria. Blooming wisteria is a legume plant, and it has very, very similar flowers to what you're going to find on a lo uh, black locust tree. And the smell is kind of comparable. It's different, but similar. It's very pungent, very floral. You know, and if you've seen a blooming wisteria and you don't hate it because it doesn't do anything or produce, it basically doesn't produce anything useful at all except very beautiful flowers and it will cast shade but then again so will a, you know great you know you know musket you know vines or something like that that will actually produce shade if trellised right and make fruit right so you know that's why i was saying people may not really appreciate the wisteria i grew up with it with this plant it's been in my you know been in my memory ever since as long as i can remember and i always remember its smell so when I got all, you know, started, uh, even before I realized that the tree was a black locust tree that I had cut down in the backyard because the city came through, I knew there was something similar about wisteria and the black locust tree simply because of the structure and the smell of its flowers. Just, there was just something about it that just, it was just too damn similar. And turns out I was, I was correct. It's part, it's the same family. They're both legumes, right? So but if you've ever seen a wisteria plant and you don't hate them to death because they don't produce nothing, you got to admit the flowers on that thing are just, it's like these, it's like these purple cascading waterfalls of really pretty smelling, beautifully colored, like lace. I don't know how else, to, how else to put it, but these things are, I mean, they're just, they're beautiful. So in a, a blooming wisteria, generally speaking, is really dark blue to purplish in a uh, <clears throat> black locust tree the clusters of flowers that it puts off are like like snow white to cream and they are every bit as beautiful and they smell really good they last like the the clusters will actually hold together as recognizable pretty flowers for like you know anywhere between two and four weeks before they start falling off you know it's 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 a beautiful it's a a beautiful thing to look at, but those flowers provide food for bees, specific, clearly honeybees and other bees, I'm sure, mason bees and stuff like that will, will you know, benefit from, from the nectar, you know, produced from, from this thing. But it's, it's extremely important. This is an extremely important food plant for honeybees. And I think it's, ah, I forgot the, I forgot the name of the country. I'm going to say Ukraine, but it's probably going to actually end up being Estonia 
or it's like some one of these you know eastern bloc you know countries or something like that where they for whatever reason you know the americans haven't done it and western europeans haven't done it but this particular country in question they got a huge black locust industry apparently when i was reading about you know reading up on this thing you know not only do uh do they have a, a really good uh, amount of, of honey product for that that country produces they're, they're actually using black locusts as timber I mean and why not because one of the other coolest things about this tree is the density of its freaking wood You, I mean it's like by looking at usually you know somebody considers like a tree like this a weed tree for a couple of reasons one they grow real fast Two, they're kind of short-lived. Three, they kick off runners and have a tendency to be invasive. And, and you know, this, this tree has all of that in spades. The, these guys in this country, you know, they, they timber this thing, and we don't. And, uh, you know, it's, it, a lot of this has, you know, something to do with the fact that, you know, it's, the den- it's not only the density of the wood, you know, the density of the wood provides a, 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 a lot of really cool things. One is fuel wood. This thing has a re, has a lot of stored energy. And you burn this stuff into like, a you know, in a fireplace, it's going to kick out a lot more heat per pound than something like, you know, pine. It's going to be, I think it's going to be like more comparable to oak. It's that dense. Even though it grows that fast, this thing is really dense. When I was cutting down, um, I had to cut off a branch because it kind of broke down. And when I picked up that branch, it was unusually heavy. And now I know why, because the wood is freakishly dense. So, you know, that's one of the uses that they use it for. One of the other things that they use it for is the fact that this tree grows so grows so straight. It's great lumber for stuff like poles like building pole barns right or fencing and there's a like <clears throat> some anecdotal stuff that I've heard over the years that say that the black locust tree is the tree that built America in colonial times and I didn't know what that meant for a long time until I figured out what they were talking about was that that's how all the fences were built you know if it wasn't a stone fence then chances are good it's made out of this stuff and it's not just because the wood is dense the wood itself, the tree itself, you know, the wood is permeated uh, all the way through with flavonoids that just happen to be a fungal retardant. So when you put this stuff in the ground, it won't rot and will last for a hundred years as a fence post in the ground in wet conditions. It eventually everything goes away and so will this. But if I got to replace a, you know, a fence post in 10 years versus 100, I'm going to go for 100. So the wood is extraordinarily useful for building outdoor furniture because it's going to be outside. It res- I mean, it resists rot. You know, you, nothing seems to want to eat it. You know, it's, I, you know, I, there's, a, there's a boar that is an insect that will get after this tree while it's living and can do quite a bit of damage. I have yet to see one in the pan, you know, in uh, in West Texas, but you know, it's it's not impossible. 
but over there in the Eastern Bloc, where they, you know, that country that I'm talking about, <clears throat> they don't, they don't really have that problem. So they can grow really tall, really straight, very dense trees. And this is the, <laughs> I think this is the best part, is being able to coppice the tree. Okay, if you coppice the tree, you, you, you cut it off at the base, but you don't kill the stump with poisons or anything. That root mass that's underneath the ground is just, uh, it, it doesn't care. It, it, it doesn't care. It's going to send up, it's going to send shoots up. Not runners, it's going to send, it may send, it'll probably send runners too, but it will send shoots up from that stump. Like, and then those, those things will grow up. And if you want to, you know, you probably need to thin them out a little bit to, you know, get another, like, you know, like, a, I don't know, another three or four years and get that thing really high and really thick and you can cut it down again and it will just rinse and repeat, man, rinse and repeat until I, I think I've heard that the, uh, that the organism itself is good for about like the, the black locust tree as an organism will die in about 150 years. So if you're going to live to be 170, you probably got, you know, you probably want to stagger your planting, but you're probably not going to do that because we don't live that long yet. In either event, if you cut, so you coppice it by cutting it down to the ground, and then you can, like, timber, the, you can timber it. You use it as firewood, you'd sell it to a mill, you know, that kind of thing. You know, if, uh, my house, I'm just, like, just using it for shade not really interested in cutting it down so that I can have a great big gaping, you know, window for the sun to come fry me again. But if you got like acreage, man, that's something to consider because it grows so damn fast. You might actually be able to make some money off of it. <clears throat> so the other thing that you can do is pollard the tree where you don't cut it down at ground level. You cut it off up, up from the ground. Um, like a right around, you know, right just above what would be your standard browsing height for cattle, moose, elk, deer, you know, figure out where the tallest browsing animal that, you, that could be a problem and cut it above that. And then it will, and it will grow from, it will grow from up there. Cause if you, if you coppice it in a, in a, in a problem area that you've got browsers, you, they might come and, and browse it down and it, just never does anything because they're always eating the leaves. So if you've got that problem, instead of coppicing, just pollard it above its your average browse height, and you're good to go. It'll grow again from, from the top of that thing. And then you could pollard it again and get like firewood or, or whatever it is that you're going to do. So it's like this, it's like this gift that keeps on giving, man. It's like it fertilizes the soil. You can't hardly kill it. It, you can chop it off at the ground or you can chop it off seven foot tall it's going to grow again it makes great firewood it makes great fence wood I, I, the bees love it the leaves can be used for forage for animals it grows fast so it provides shade really fast it provides windbreak fast it's like why god why this thing should be everywhere and it's not and it's just it's amazing because again you know, it's easy. It seems like it's easy to propagate. You do have to worry about it sending out runners. If you don't like, if you know, it's going to send out a runner into your yard. And if you like, you know, grass or whatever, just mow it. Just mow it over. It'll eventually stop growing from that point, and it will find a new point to grow from. And you just keep mowing. You know, do whatever it is you got to do. But um, 
you know, aside from its invasive, aside from its invasiveness, that's the only drawback that I can see for this, for this damn plant. I mean, it does, like, it, you know, it just keeps, it just keeps on giving and provides, you know, provides so much to not only you, but to the soil and to the, you know, to bees and, and pollinators and like any kind of nectar sucking, you know, you know, critter that's out there. So I, you know, I'd, I'd recommend looking into, if you got, a, if you got a spot on your property that needs to be shaded out or you, you got a problem with wind or you want to like, you know, do like a, do a silvo pasture and like, let's say that you're going to grow, I don't know, chestnuts or black walnut or a pecan grove. You got it spaced far enough out that you can run cattle, you know, like in a rotational grazing pattern in between the trees, you know, and set the tree. I don't know. I think I've heard anywhere between, you know, rows of trees that are 40 to 60 foot apart so that you get some really good sun into the, into the alleyways. Use this in between those trees so that as it grows, it's just pumping nitrogen into the soil and you don't have to fertilize the trees, the, the other trees, because it's going to grab the nitrogen that's being fixed into the soil from its neighboring trees. And eventually they're going to get so damn tall, they're going to shade out the, uh, the black locust trees and the black locust trees are going to do what? They're just going to go away. They're not going to be there anymore because the environment's changed. They can't get any sunlight. You just go cut them down. If they start trying to grow again, they're not going to get very far without, without food and sunlight. So, you know, um, I, 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 I am remiss in the fact that I did not get, you know, uh, try to find a supplier for, you know, root cuttings for black locust tree. But, um, you know, Google foo, man, just Google black locust tree cuttings, root cuttings, uh, seeds they, they they can grow from seed uh, from what I've read growing them from seed is a little difficult because of the amount of armor that's on the seed uh, you have to I think I heard something today where you boil them for 12 to 24 hours first I don't want to boil I don't want to boil anything for 12 hours it just sounds like something I'm not interested in especially when I can clone it from you know from a root cutting so there's that Anyway, again, struggling to find out how the hell I'm going to, you know, marry, you know, anything about a system of black locust tree up with, uh, with Bitcoin. But I will say this, both those systems are, you know, anti-fragile. You know, we talk about the trading partnership that we see in, in the roots of the black locust tree and it's nitrogen, you know, nitrifying bacteria that it houses and they have a trading relationship going on. It's a market. It's a free market. The tree put out a partic some particular kinds of sugar that other bacteria are not interested in. So happens those other bacteria are not interested in really nitro, you know, taking nitrogen from the atmosphere and fixing it into a, a into a form that can be readily used by trees. But the ones that do like the sugars put off, it's like putting off a signal. Hey, I've got this to sell. Come on, you know, bring you know, bring it to me. And we're seeing. We see things in the Bitcoin community, you know, not the community, but the, the Bitcoin marketplace in general, where we're watching these relationships form right now in front of our eyes. And we don't know which of these relationships are actually going to survive. You know, is the, is the Lightning Network going to, going to survive 
being married to the main chain on top of Bitcoin. I don't know. But it's going to be a relationship that we're going to watch. And it's either going to be, you know, it's either going to be awesome, mediocre, or not at all, right? A lot of these things are like that. BT Pay Server. You know, this is... People have been asking for systems where they, they can be their own merchant processor. You know? And the guys over at BTC Pay Server, they, they've delivered. A signal was sent up the, the flagpole, and some people said, I'll build that for you. So we see these communities forming and trading relationships and, and, and emerging markets everywhere you look. And there's, you know, that's, that's one of the reasons why I think there's something to how can we relate these things, these other topics other than Bitcoin, back to Bitcoin? Because there's things here like anti-fragility. You know, there's things here like edge effects. There's, you know, permaculturists use it all the time. You know, like, you know, hey, if you got this growing here, then, you know, we throw this over here and it will grow together. And all, you know, all of a sudden you've got like a, a community that reinforces each other, right? So that's about the only way that I can kind of relate, you know, what's going on in Bitcoin back to what's been going on for, you know, millions of years, because I'm pretty sure this plant has been around for a very long time. Um, so, you know, I, I did I did my best, like I said. I didn't say I was going to do a good job at being able to, to marry Bitcoin to these other topics, but I, but I am going to try. So with that, I'm signing off. Do good things. Be nice to people. Don't yell at kids. And don't listen to Bitcoin obituaries. Later on, people.